liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to another special double-dipped episode of Liberty Lockdown. You're not going to want to miss this one. First up, Judge Andrew Napolitano talking Rovers Wade and some really interesting Fourth Amendment violations that were uncovered from our beloved federal government this past week. Uh, brilliant, as always. The analysis is incredible. And secondarily, I've had, because the stock market, first the Fed increased interest rates by a half point, Stock market boomed, today it busted, and everyone and their mother is DMing me saying, Clint, what should I do? So guess what I did? I invited my dad on. My dad taught me at least half of everything I know about investing, and he's brilliant. He knows every, the ins and outs of, of the real estate world, and I wanted to basically bounce my ideas off of him. We did what he and I have done a thousand times over my life, and I think you guys will find it just totally invaluable. Uh, to have a resource like that in my life has been a godsend, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So you could, you know, the rich dad, poor dad type thing. This is what you get when you have one of those rich dads that's able to to teach you about money at a young age. He wasn't actually rich when I was young, but he became that uh, by being a very shrewd investor over his 30 plus, 40 plus year career now. And he's basically retired, um, but he did a similar thing to what I did in managing investor capital as well as his own in uh, first money trust deeds uh, yielding historically about 12%. Now it's down to like eight or 9% uh, at a hyper conservative loan to value. And that's how I became financially free. It's how he became financially free. It's a very powerful weapon. The, the power of compounding interest is just an amazing tool. And, and if you understand it, and if you have patience and diligence and caution also, uh, you can you can just achieve really remarkable things and both he and I have done so. So I think you guys will find this very, very valuable. Before we get into the episode with Judge Knapp, I want to thank our sponsor for tonight and that is careerhackers.com. If you are one of the people who is looking at the stock market going, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. Well, you might, you might, but you could also be seeking out the job of your dreams in the meantime so that while you're other job is in jeopardy. You have a foot in the, the door frame of that job of your dreams. And now's the time. <laughs> I've been saying it's the time. Now's the time. Go to careerhackers.com to sign up for the Daily Job Hunt newsletter. It is free. Hit your inbox every morning. Teaches you on how to become a better job applicant. Teaches you about video resumes, interview techniques, all sorts of informative, innovative ways to become a better job applicant. Again, careerhackers.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. As always, we're back in the building with Judge Knapp. Thank you for joining us, Judge. A pleasure, Clint. Thanks for having me. It's it's uh, it's becoming a very very happy and in my part on my part much anticipated routine. You and me both, brother, and I think the audience loves it too. I get tons of positive feedback. Uh, he is the host of Judging. Oh, sorry, almost a judging liberty, judging freedom. Uh, so make sure you guys go over to his YouTube channel, subscribe there, and follow his work. Um, I want to actually start, instead of going the Rovers Wade route, which we're certainly going to cover, 
I wanted to talk a little bit about the egregious Fourth Amendment violation that you wrote an article about today. So mm -hmm. if you could uh, just lay, for, for those that aren't aware, and I'm sure there's many people that have no idea what, what transpired, if you could give the case, I'd appreciate it. So for 200 years, the Fourth Amendment was interpreted as requiring a, a search warrant in order to search the private property, persons, houses, papers, and effects. That's the language from the amendment of any person in America, citizen or, or not citizen. Uh, when the government began wiretapping back in the 20s, the court did not consider that a search. By the early 1960s, the court had decided that um, wiretapping and by then other means of electronic surveillance was just as intrusive uh, as FBI agents coming into your home. So it ruled definitively uh, that a, a search using electronic means, surveillance using electronic means required a search. That was the law from 1960 on forward, up to, still is the law up to the present time. Uh, when George W. Bush got caught with his pants down by Edward Snowden, who revealed the massive warrantless uh, electronic searches of everybody in America that the NSA uh, was conducting, he persuaded a Republican Congress uh, to um, give the president the authority legally to authorize these warrantless searches under the guise of getting a FISA warrant, and this is the critical part, allowing the FBI to have access to the data that was searched. One of the um, original positions that the Republicans took was, this is just for national security, and we won't use what we get from these searches to prosecute anybody, because we all know that the Fourth Amendment requires a warrant, and no judge would allow this information uh, in court. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, in 2008, when they amended the FISA statute to allow the FBI to, to download as much of the data as they want that had been collected uh, illegally by the NSA, the wall between law enforcement and the intelligence community was gone. The head of the, um, uh, the director of national security is required by law to report the number of FBI searches. She reported last week uh, that 3.7 million uh, searches were conducted of Americans. Now that sounds benign, 3.7 million searches were conducted of Americans. But to the feds, the word search means input a search term into a computer program. So if you input a search term like January 6th slash militia, you're going to get 10 or 15,000 responses. That's counted as one search. So it's not 3.7 million Americans whose personal private records were surveilled by the FBI without a search warrant. It's 3.7 million search terms. We don't know how many Americans had their records surveilled by the FBI. Now you may say, well, judge, no, no, uh, no judge like you were is going to allow this uh, to be used as evidence because it was obtained illegally. This is not in the column, as I've written about this in the past. The FBI engages in what's known as parallel reconstruction. So once it has damning information about you, which it got unconstitutionally, 
it then recreates a false narrative about how it got it in in order to persuade a federal judge. And they do it very shrewdly. Uh, the person who testifies about it is not the creator of the false narrative. So the FBI agent on the stand has unwittingly been duped by his fellow FBI agents into lying, but it's not a lie because he's not intending to, to deceive anybody. He thinks he's telling the truth. And the prosecutors aren't told about this because they'll lose their licenses to practice law if they put an FBI agent on the stand to lie to a federal judge about the origin uh, of evidence. Incredible. And this uh, rule that permits this expires every three years, and Congress keeps reenacting it. Why does Congress keep reenacting it? Because the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and the other three-letter uh, intelligence me members of the intelligence community, there are 16 acknowledged, who knows how many really exist, have dirt on members of Congress, dirt. So members of Congress will, for, for fear of exposing their dirty laundry, vote to allow the FBI to cut the corners out of and holes into the Fourth Amendment, which caused wow. me to conclude in that article, and there's nothing new to you or, or the people listening to us now, the federal government is rotten to the core. It doesn't believe that the Constitution means what it says. It views our rights as temporary privileges that they will decide when we enjoy them and when we don't. I'm sorry it took me so long to explain that. No, that was brilliant. And I can't help but draw the corollaries between uh, what you just explained and what's happening to Madison Cawthorn over the past week, where they're, I don't know if you've paid attention to this at all. He's a congressman out of North Carolina, but they've been having this drip campaign of, you know, mildly offensive, uh, like semi-lewd photos and videos of him uh, doing quasi homosexual things with his friends but not really like kind of like playful bro stuff and it just yeah. seems as if as if like this is this is kind of what you would expect the CIA FBI to use this information for against members of congress when they get out right. of line is that is that a reasonable assessment it is it is some of what the FBI and CIA have is serious dirt some of it is misleading like what you're right. describing i'm sorry this is happening to Congressman uh, Cawthorn, but who's doing this to him? His fellow Republicans. Hmm. It's not Democrats doing this to him. There's not AOC in that crowd. These are Republicans that don't want him in the Congress because he's willing to speak his mind. Oh, Jesus. Well, that, that kind of goes back to the thesis of there being a, a uniparty, and it's it's basically those that work for the government, and then the handful that attempt to work for the people, and regardless of party affiliation, you're going to be treated as if you're an outsider and you're going to be an outsider pretty quickly. Uh, let's move right. quickly to the to the Roe versus Wade overturn and and most importantly the leak. Uh, I think that that's probably the most you know precedent breaking or precedent setting, depending on how you want to view it. What, what's your take on that? Well, I mean it, it's it's horrible that this happened. You know Roe versus Wade itself was leaked, but it was mm. leaked three days before the opinion came out, and it was leaked mm. in its final form. Well, okay. that was wrong. This is horrible, because right. what was leaked is a work in progress. It was a draft. Um, it, it now, forever, whatever comes out will be compared with the draft. And why did they change this? And why did they change that? 
Well, it's a draft and it needs to acquire the consensus of five members uh, of the court and it needs to be uh, scrutinized for all kinds of technical accuracy with respect to the citations and, and, and quotations of cases in there. I mean, all of us who write for a living write various draft versions of what becomes the final product. And we don't share the drafts with the reader because we hope that the final product is the, the most superior of all the drafts. So this is really horrible. Now, there's two theories as to where this came from, or, or three theories. If it's an outside person that is not a member of the court who hacked into the court's computer system, well, that's a federal crime, even though the feds themselves hack into people's computers, like the <laughs> FBI, as we just discussed. They do prosecute uh, computer hacking, particularly when the federal government or some branch of it is the victim. That's one theory. I don't think that's likely. What is yeah. more likely than not is that this is an insider. The insider uh, a group is only about 50 people. It's the nine justices. It's their four clerks that each of them has and then maybe a half dozen or so a clerical people. Law mm. clerks are recent law school graduates. To clerk for the Supreme Court, you need to have clerked for another federal judge first. So by the time you get to the Supreme Court as a law clerk, even though you're a recent law school graduate, you're already a licensed lawyer. Mm. Um, so the theory is that if it's one of that group, it's one side or the other. It's either somebody on the liberal side who knows that the majority of five is shaky and maybe one of them is wavering and they want to knock that person off the majority and into the minority, A, because of all the hoopla, and mm -hmm. B, because of senators like Susan Collins who will say, well, this is not what this person told me when I interviewed them. The other theory is that this came from the conservative side for the opposite reason. They want to prevent the weak link amongst the majority of the five from leaving the majority by locking in that person's agreement with Justice Alito. So, now, so the, I, if I they were to, to shift, then they would be, you know, tarnished, I guess. Correct. But okay. but it would uphold Roe. It would change the outcome. Justice course, Alito's yeah. a brilliant opinion would become a dissent. Uh, if if one person were to shift. Now, I have to tell you, I am not neutral on this, Clint, as you probably know. Sure. I am not only pro-life, I am fiercely pro-life. Uh, I, I believe that abortion is homicide because the, the baby in the womb is a person with human parents and all the genomic material within her to develop into a postnatal person. And the 14th Amendment, which requires equal protection, requires of the states, requires the states to protect you and me and everybody listening and watching us now from homicide, it also requires them to prevent babies in the womb from victims of homicide. The other thing I have to say is I'm not neutral with respect to Justice Alito. Sam Alito and I are boyhood friends and college uh, classmates. We've known each other, I hate to tell you how long, since <laughs> September of 1968 when we were both oh, freshmen. Wow freshman at Princeton and he and his wife and I have socialized. So I'm not pretending to be to be a neutral here on sure. this at all. Um, there are theories as to who the weak link amongst the five justices in the temporary 
or preliminary, I should say, majority might be. It's probably not fair to say who because this is all scuttlebutt uh, and rumor. Interesting. The Chief Justice is having this investigated, not by the FBI. He's not going to go to the executive branch of the government and have them investigate something that happened in the judicial branch. Mm -hmm. U.S. Marshals have their own investigative team, and guess who they are? They're all ex-FBI agents, So, but they now work for the court. Okay. They know how to conduct investigations. They'll know right away if it's a crime or just an ethical violation. If it's an ethical violation, it's egregious. And if it's done by a lawyer, that person will for sure lose their license to practice law. And if it's done by a court employee, lawyer or not, that person for sure uh, will be fired. Yeah. Well, it seems like that that would be the least of their concerns. But what disturbs me about it, I mean, other than the fact that this breaks all sorts of norms, um, is that this this I, I'm just going to assume that it's a clerk because it seems to me that that's the most probable. But I could obviously be wrong. Um, but you know as well as I do that whoever this clerk is, yeah, they're going to lose their law, law license if they're caught. But they would almost certainly have a, a you know a seven figure CNN contract sitting at the end of the rainbow. Going well, they 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 might be a hero to whichever side they were trying to help. You know, a conservative trying to keep the the block of five justices together, or a liberal trying to knock one of the uh, one of the justices off. But I don't know who would trust uh, this person. I mean, the the commitment to secrecy is not only a moral commitment, it's a written uh, commitment. Yeah. And to, to lawyers, their word is their bond. You know, as a judge, when I ask sure. a lawyer a question, the lawyer tells me something, I'm assuming it's the truth. Right. If it's not the truth, the consequences to that lawyer are far more severe than the benefits that he or she could obtain by lying. Yeah. Well, so let's let's get into the the decision itself, assuming it's overturned. I, I read the vast majority of, of his uh, preliminary decision and I, I thought it was brilliant. I thought the, the explanation was pretty, pretty rock solid. Uh, obviously, you're biased and you agree with it already, but I, I'd like to get your feedback as to the decision. Well, you itself. know, I, I agree with it and I don't. I'm glad you oh, interesting. If I were on the court, and you know, I almost was. I know that's that's history, and who the hell knows? I want to live on that timeline. Have, <laughs> what might have been, if I were on the on this court, I would concur in the outcome, meaning right. invalidate Roe, but I would do so for a different opinion, and I would write an opinion arguing that the baby in the womb is a person for the reasons I just gave. Even though I'm Catholic, these are not Catholic or or Christian or religious reasons. These reasons are based on reason and science. Sure. The baby has human parents and all the genomic material within her or him needed to develop into a postnatal person. There's no dispute in my mind that under the law, the baby is a person. The, the fetus in the womb can inherit property. The fetus in the womb can sue and be sued. Most people don't know this. If wow. the baby in the womb is a person, then all abortion is homicide because the Fifth Amendment prevents the government from taking life, liberty, or, pro or property without a trial. And the 14th Amendment requires the states to protect life, liberty, and property of all persons equally. Hmm. So that's the way I would look at it. 
Now, so you, you don't want it to be a state's right issue because you think it should be constitutionally protected. The the right to live should right. be constitutionally protected. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. However, when confronted with an enormous evil, like 66 million babies slaughtered in the womb, 66 million in the United States alone since January 1973, when confronted with an enormous evil and, and the opportunity to shrink the magnitude of the evil, one should take that opportunity because sure. I don't think there would be a majority on the court to accept my view yeah. that the baby in the womb is a person. So in that respect, I applaud Justice Alito. I also applaud him for returning to basics. Before Obamacare, Health care and criminal law were all decided by the states. There's only two crimes in the Constitution. Those should be the only two federal crimes, debasing the currency and treason. Everything else that, that uh, circumscribes criminal behavior should be done by the states. Mm -hmm. You know how many federal crimes there are? 5,500 <laughs> federal crimes. There is not a human being on the planet that, including this one, that has read and can understand all of them. Of course. So Justice Alito is, is, in his own brilliant, persistent, and fearless way, calling for a return to basics. I'm curious, uh, has, has someone who's been guilty of a double homicide in like a DUI where they kill a mother and a baby in the womb, have they ever used this argument that they cannot be charged with murder for the second child because abortion is legal and that's not a person? All the time. And it goes okay. both ways, depending upon the states that you're in. If you're here in New Jersey, which is the East Coast capital of abortions, because abortions are lawful up to the moment of birth and paid for uh, by the state, that argument... Sorry, my cell phone, I forgot to turn it off. My apologies. No my, that argument will hold water. Uh, same in California. However, in most other states, even the states where uh, abortion uh, flourishes, that argument does not hold water. And uh, you, you'd be confronted uh, with a double homicide. Interesting. And I'll, I'll get you out of here on this because we're up against it. But uh, I've, I've always been torn on this issue. I do believe that it is murder. However... As a anarchist-leaning person, I am always hesitant to empower the state with increasing power, investigations, etc. And I have always been concerned about the potential for mothers who genuinely miscarry, which is a very common thing to occur. It's probably millions a year that happen. Uh, how do we avoid having a state that becomes so intrusive in investigating these types of issues? Okay, well, you know, the, the medical evidence of a, of a miscarriage demonstrates a, a natural expulsion of the mm. fetus from the mother's body. The, there, there's no inducement of it whatsoever. It would be, I mean, confusing a miscarriage and an abortion, it's like confusing a broken leg with the flu. I mean, it's it okay. impossible, <laughs> sure. impossible to do that. And, and I, too, as you know, since we agree on everything, share your view about empowering the state. But, but look at it this way. The government theoretically exists because of the consent of the governed. Theoretically, 
all the power the government has, we have given it. Now, I say theoretically because nobody consented to the governed since the enactment of the uh, Constitution. And even those who did not consent to the Constitution, those courageous anti-federalists of which you and I would have been part, had the Constitution shoved down their throats. So that leads to this question. What government, if any, is lawful without the consent of the governed? Answer, a government that protects the natural rights Mm. of the people. Interesting. And the foremost of those natural rights is the right to live. Well, beautiful. Well said, as always. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people um, find the article that's releasing today? Oh, the print version is in the uh, Washington Times. The uh, digital version is at thejudgenap.com or at lourockwell.com or in about 25 uh, other uh, venues. Okay, so they'll, they'll stumble across it. Uh, the uh, The title of it is The Bill of Temporary Privileges by Judge Andrew Napolitano. So you guys could probably just Google and find it that way or just go to judgenap.com. Thank you so much, Judge. Pleasure as always. Pleasure, pleasure, Clint. Thank you. All the best. Yeah. Before we get into part two, which is my prognosis for the economic outlook for the remainder of the year and perhaps the next decade, which I think you will find invaluable, I want to thank our other sponsor for tonight's show, and that is Young Americans for Liberty. I've had on some dissenters from Young Americans for Liberty. I've had on some proponents of it, and I'm of the belief that they are still doing God's work. I mean, they are out there getting young people involved that are motivated to try and go knock on doors, uh, get liberty-minded people elected, like that's what we need more of. And if you are one of those young people who is kind of spinning your wheels, doesn't know what you want to do yet, but you do want to get involved in politics in some way, you're passionate about liberty like I am, well, this is a good way to do so and to make some money. And what they're doing right now is they are recruiting for you to become an election coordinator. Election coordinators are the front lines for liberty on Young Americans for Liberty endorsed deployments. The election coordinators will flood the district for an authentic liberty candidate through grassroots door knocking. This is not a volunteer position. This is an opportunity to dive headfirst into political action world, serve as a real field staffer, meet lifelong friends, and travel the country. Each election coordinator will deploy in an assigned district, serving on location and meeting real people every day. Training will be conducted on-site and teach uh, team members will work with a partner to achieve their goals. The election coordinators are provided, not bad, up to $2,800 a month starting pay, plus 100% free housing, plus gas reimbursement. And right now with gas prices, you're going to want that to be reimbursed. I promise you that. They want to ensure that they get the best talent pool possible, which is why they are providing these kind of benefits. If you're passionate about liberty like I am, go and help the Ron Paul revolution get reignited. Again, Go to yaliberty.org forward slash revolution to sign up. And I'm sure you will get your get your start in politics. Get your start right now. Make a difference right now. Take your power back. Let's go. Yaliberty.org forward slash revolution. Welcome everybody back to part two of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell, and I am joined by my father, Daniel. Welcome in, Dad. Hi. Nice <laughs> to be here. Yeah. So uh, you've taught me at least half of everything I know about investing. And as we are entering quite a precarious investing environment, we have been in one for two years. Um, You've been sounding the alarm for years. I've really started to sound the alarm summer of 2020 that I knew, you know, the the way things were being done were unsustainable. And you and I have these conversations pretty much weekly where we talk about what we see coming down the 
down the bend or around the bend. And, uh, and I just wanted to do that on the show so people could kind of hear two, you know, investment specialists talk about what we see. Uh, obviously the, the stock market has whipsawed off of the, the half point interest rate hike that was announced by the federal reserve yesterday. Uh, this, the market was up tremendously yesterday and now it collapsed today. So let's start there. Uh, what do you think that means? Is this signaling, are we in bear market territory already? Do you think that uh, they could reverse course? What, what, what's your prediction here? Well, the over half of the NASDAQ stocks are down 50% or more already. So the tech sector has taken a, a very hard hit, but it was in tremendous bubble territory. Uh, there were a lot of really wise investment analysts saying that the markets were overvalued by any historic level, uh, the most in history, actually. So we've probably seen the biggest bubble in history. And, and I think uh, the inflation and the rising interest rates are going to create the biggest collapse probably in history. So, well, so you think it'll outdo 29, huh? I, I think it very well could because in 29, there was very little debt by comparison to where we are today. Right. Uh, individuals are the most indebted ever. Corporations are the most indebted ever. And of course, the U.S. government with its unfunded liabilities and its 30 trillion of debt is in really serious trouble as well. So uh, debt wise, we've created a very fragile mountain of debt and rising inflation is forcing the Fed to raise the interest rates, which hurts all of those people that are in debt, all people, companies, government, uh, all of it. So I think it has the potential to be, you know, a, a 70, 80% drop overall, you know, how broadly it will ripple through the whole economy is what I try to figure out every day is, you know, when is it gonna start hitting real estate and how hard will it hit real estate? Because that's my baby that I watch carefully. Yeah, um, well, and, and mine as well, as you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, that's the interesting question here is, well, the stock market is in obvious, insane bubble territory. The real estate market has been entirely I'm propped up based off of hyper low interest rates that were maintained for the past 12 years, which is a historically long period of time. I mean, you've, you've never seen near 0% uh, Fed funds rates for a decade. I mean, it's, it's insane, at least not in our lifetimes. I, maybe it's happened in some country, but definitely not here. Um, <clears throat> so that's created an environment where you have obviously an increase in purchasing power because the, the cost of borrowing is so low. Um, which increases demand, which gets everybody. And then you have this virtuous cycle or unvirtuous cycle where as the price rises, it makes people more and more inclined to get involved in the real estate market because they're saying, well, every year it goes up. The same exact story that we experienced in 0506 where people were like, well, if you wait. So whatever you have to pay now is worthwhile. And that's the same logic that we've been seeing this go around. Um, the major differences that I see between this real estate market and the 08 real estate market is that there's a, a significantly uh, smaller issue of adjustable rate mortgages. And I think that you and I will agree was the primary driver behind the actual collapse in 08-09. Uh, do you see it differently at all? 
No, I think that's true. 0809, the, the money was being thrown out very loosely. Underwriting standards for lenders were very loose. 100% loans were being done. Liar loans were being done where there was virtually no income verification. Uh, so I, I think underwriting is much tighter now than it was then. That part of the market's good. I think the supply and demand is more in equilibrium than it was uh, during that period. There was a lot more speculation then. Uh, however, rising interest rates hurt real estate. It's a, it's a yeah. highly leveraged segment of the economy. So a jump from 3% mortgages to 5% mortgages is a big deal. So- uh, Well, it's actually, it, it's, it's approaching 6% even, which is really, I mean, so rapid. It happened in about 60 days. It went from like three and a half to five and a half. That I've never seen rates spike that quickly. I, you probably have at some point in your life, but it's the first one for me. No, I think it's the most rapid rise in history as far okay. as as far as the rise in interest rates and the losses in the bond market. I read that the bond market overall lost about 14% of its value since December, which is a tremendous multi-trillion dollar loss on a global scale. You know, it's, and I think that's what is significant right now at this moment, we're seeing both the stock and the bond market uh, taking large losses. And I think approaching the trigger point where all of the margin debt could start to get called, where people have to sell more stock to pay for their margin debt or more bonds to pay for their margin debt. And, and we could have a, a very uh, rapid uh, decline in the markets, uh, even worse than we've seen. Uh, and, then, and then the global situation, in my estimation, the U.S. has made a horrible mistake by locking up half of Russia's national reserves, putting all the sanctions on, stealing, uh, you know, their luxury liners of the of the Russian people. Uh, we've sent a very stark message to the world that you can't trust your assets in U.S. government bonds. You can't trust your asset in U.S. assets. So. I think we've we've alarmed enough countries of the world that they're starting to sell their government U.S. government bonds, right. which leads to even for even more rising interest rates than what the Fed was planning to do. Right. So we could have a very unvirtuous cycle of inflation uh, because China's locked down at the moment. Uh, we've got demand, but but very little supply. We've got a lot of currency left over from stimulus. So I think it's kind of a perfect storm where inflation could continue for a year or two at pretty high levels, and then it could collapse into a, you know, a, a kind of a deflationary mess again. Yeah. But the initial impetus is, is clearly inflationary for a while. Interesting. Yeah, that, that's kind of been my prognosis is that they're going to whipsaw us. So we're we're in this pretty severe inflationary environment right now where cost of groceries, fuel, uh, housing, everything is up a lot over the past couple of years. And, and obviously with the lockdowns, we should have seen a, a very severe recession in 2020. We didn't. We kicked the can. We we spent, uh, you know, we borrowed or printed 
seven trillion plus, and and uh, and now we're kind of paying the price with the inflation because the lockdowns created such severe supply shortages when it came to material costs. So you couldn't have uh, the type of housing build out that was necessary to meet the demand, and and it created, you know, exactly what we're dealing with now. So I I think that my my biggest question mark in all this is does the federal reserve have the the will the chutzpah to continue to raise interest rates into a collapsing stock market because historically that hasn't been what they prefer and and simultaneously they also have the national debt which can't be serviced if you get to you know maybe 5 or 6% fed funds rates you would have all sorts of uh deficit spending that would just add to the national debt in that situation. So they're really in a rock and a hard place where you you have a tremendous inflationary pressures because of a whole bunch of terrible government decisions. And now you have deflationary pressure because you have to hike interest rates to deal with the inflation and the government can't afford its own debt if it actually does what's necessary to break the back of inflation. So how can they do that? It seems to me that they can't and that they will have to revert, you know, reverse course on the hiking of interest rates. What what's your opinion on that uh, again i think i think at some point the fed will want to do that i agree with that what's different this time that we did not have before is the petrodollar is starting to come apart at the seams right the saudis the chinese they're they're trading with russia direct in in the yuan uh or the ruble and, or the ruble and Russia's using uh, pressure on Europe to pay in rubles, right. and they're linking the ruble to gold. So we, we have a situation where the U.S. dollar is not the reserve currency that it was the last 50 years. So it's starting to weaken. It's the beginning of a cycle. And that could lead to a lot more inflation than we've seen in the last 20 years. We could, we could have to have higher interest rates than anybody wants, and it could cause a decade of no growth or very low growth. In my gut, that's what I think is coming. I think, I think we're going to face a decade where stocks are not higher a, a 10 years from now than they are today. I think we're going to have a, a decade of lost growth. There'll so you're, you're predicting stagflation. Yes. I think there'll be ups. I think there'll be downs. But overall... I think we're going to have extremely low growth, higher interest rates than anybody wants to see, and a painful decline in asset values that are all at bubble highs. Hmm. Stocks, bonds, and real estate are all at bubble highs. It, it's it's kind of crazy, actually. Uh, you know, thinking yeah, from a young person's point of view, trying to buy a home in today's world, it's just crazy. I mean, the prices. Miami rents jumped 29% this year in one year, 29% yeah. run up in rent. And I bet, I bet the cost of single families is, is not too far behind. Not too far behind. So it's, it's a serious uh, burden on those that aren't already in those assets. But I, I, I think the, the asset bubbles are going to come down, how hard they're going to come down, how rapidly they're going to come down. It'll come down most rapidly in those assets that are highly liquid and leveraged. And so- That's why we've seen Bitcoin take a bloodbath today, I think. 
eight percent one day. So, but the, see, the, that's the funny thing is everyone views Bitcoin as this hedge against economic turmoil. But the truth of the matter is, is because it is a speculative asset, there's there's a ton of and and it's a relatively liquid asset. Whenever you see margin calls, you're I, in my opinion, or at least that's what I I believe is occurring now is that you're actually seeing a liquidation in Bitcoin to deal with the margin calls of people losing their ass in the stock market. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's a very fair assessment. And it it, it will ripple into all assets, gold, silver, things that should be holding value. We'll see a period of decline if margin calls start to ripple strongly and people have to liquidate assets to cover debts. So mm -hmm. they'll liquidate whatever's the most liquid. You know, they'll, right. they'll, they'll have to liquidate it. So we're going to see a buying opportunity of epic proportions at some time, I think, in the next six months. It, maybe, oh, it'll be, maybe it'll be six weeks from now. Maybe it'll be six months from now. I don't know where the bottom lies. But sometime between now and the end of the year, I think these markets are going to wash out pretty hard. And, hmm. and there's going to be a buying opportunity in crypto, in stocks, and in bonds. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a better buying opportunity than it was two months ago. Um, I, I I have a little difference of opinion than you when it comes to the timeline. I think that we we may not see the bottom bottom for two years. Like that, that's my my assessment. I think it'll be a little bit slower, um, but I could be wrong. I mean, obviously, timing timing is the hardest part of our analysis. We don't really disagree on the overall picture, but the timing has always been uh, where you and I differ slightly. But I, I do think that the uh, the real estate market is what's most interesting to to you and I, obviously, because that's where we've invested historically, and and because when you need liquidity, you know, real estate is one of those things that's not very liquid. It's very it's very hard to get out of. So I think that that'll be a lagging uh, indicator or a lagging depreciating market. Do you think that that's also a fair assessment that we'll see the stock market tank? Uh, a few months or maybe even a year prior to seeing real weakness in real estate, or do you think it'll come faster? No, I think that's a, I think that's a fair assessment. The, the stock market's already taking a hit. The bond market's already taking a hit. Uh, it'll be much more rapid in those areas that are highly liquid and highly leveraged with margin. Uh, real estate is highly leveraged by mortgages. Yeah. Uh, you know, we try to do our mortgages at about 50% of value to right. be able to survive situations like this. But the environment we're in has created artificially high property values. I do think it's going to come down. I do not think this inflation wave is going to cause real estate to go to the moon. And it's already at the moon, frankly, uh, value-wise. Well, then how, how can you simultaneously have inflation while you, while you predict you know, these assets plummeting, because it seems as if those, that's two different things. Like, I can understand the, like the GDP flatlining or even, you know, having a, a recession while you still have inflation. That kind of makes sense to me, but I can't see a full-on collapse while there's still an inflationary environment. That's, uh, maybe I'm just missing something. Well, I, I think it's all a function of interest rates. You know, if, interest rates rise to six or 7% and stay there for a period of time compared to the two and a half percent or 2% levels mortgages hit, you know, a year ago, uh, that would be a radical shift 
in the financing markets and and it will cause real estate to decline how rapidly how much inflation will prop up values at the same time rising interest rates are tearing down values it's a very complicated uh situation yeah. you know in, initially we very well might see some stock and bond money come out of those markets because it's bloody and right. they, they might buy real estate as a safety hedge right. so at least it feels a lot more tangible than than a piece of paper that's depreciating terribly <laughs> right. so, I, I would i would still rather be in real estate currently than the the stock market personally so uh, yeah i think a lot of people could make that calculus too and and it may you know that did happen uh you know after after the stock bust in 2000 we had that big run up in real estate right. after the the tech bloodbath we had the large run up in real estate cuz people got out of their stocks and they bought real estate so, so instead of instead of 0809 this could be a repeat of of the 2000.com perhaps it, it could it could be more like that uh, we may see a rotation of money because there's a there, there's a huge amount of money in the bond market and for for those people to start getting bloody noses is a big deal i mean trillions mm -hmm. of dollars are going to move so it's it's a much bigger deal when the bond market starts getting beat up it, than it is even when the stock market's getting beat up and now we've got both you know we got both stocks and bonds down 15% 20% so it's it's a severe uh, dislocation of a lot of wealth yeah. and and so i think you know there everybody's going through the calculus how do i protect myself how do i save my assets you know should i ride this out or should i get out and move to another sector right. you know, and it's not a simple thing to know i you know i have not been a crypto guy and i kicked myself for years like oh my god what what an idiot i should have bought bitcoin a decade ago sure. and, and, and i certainly should have but i shouldn't have bought it a year ago because now i then i'd be down a bunch so it, it's extremely hard to know how this is all going to play out precisely uh but i well, think in, fa in fairness for my i have a ton of bitcoin listeners look at matt if i don't correct you if you had bought a year ago bitcoin's still way up but if you had bought six months ago yeah you'd, you'd be in trouble oh, um, yeah oh i think i think that's the timeline i don't know whatever i remember i just remember a conversation you and i had when it was at uh i think it was at seventeen thousand, and i was like dad just please buy 10 just buy 10 <laughs> and you're like you're like nah 17 this is like this is like near the all-time high i'm like i'm telling you you're gonna want this stuff and now it's you know it's 35 today and that's after it dropped you know six or seven thousand but right. hindsight's always 2020 anyways i went to sixty thousand or seventy thousand it was crazy yeah yeah well that that's when i came back to you and i was like see i told you you wanted that <laughs> stuff now um yeah i mean i'm still i'm still very bullish on bitcoin uh, simply because i think that we may be witnessing the end of the global fiat game you know the the bullshit print and borrow and and uh you know crony capitalism like all of it all of it seems to be kind of unwinding uh, obviously i think that there will be some countries that weather this better than here i don't really want to get into that because the majority of my audience is american and they're not interested in becoming ac expats or anything like that um, right but I, I do think that that bitcoin could, does still have potential up, you know massive upside if if we're correct and if if the the fed doesn't have the will to maintain interest rate hikes the schedule of doing 
you know, three half point interest rate hikes, which is what um, they've been promising over the next over the remainder of this year. Well, if that's the case and they and they relent from that, I think that inflation will get completely out of hand. And in that environment, Bitcoin will actually be probably a good asset to hold. Do you do you think that that's reasonable, totally out, out of this world? What do you think? No, I, I think it's reasonable. It, it's I think we're in a struggle now to see what is a true inflation hedge. Is Bitcoin yeah, the inflation hedge or is gold and silver still the premier inflation hedge? And, you know, China and Russia both have large gold reserves and they're linking their currencies to that and, and, and may over time become a stronger set of currencies than the dollar. But but will will digital currencies take the place of gold and silver? I do think it's a better alternative than paper money that they just print by the trillions. Yeah, and so we're we're going to see. I, it, you know, I'm I'm an old timer. It's hard for me to to think that gold isn't going to be the premier store of wealth, but maybe crypto is going to be the the new store. Yeah. Of well, the past the past twelve years, you can't yeah. argue with the performance. Bitcoin has kicked the shit out of gold. Um, out of everything, yeah. Well, and and everything, yes. But yeah. uh, I think that that's that's really it's been hard for me too. You know, I'm I'm not that old, but it's still been a struggle for me to wrap my my mind around the concept of a digital currency. And uh, I think I've I've pretty much got it down now. It's just that because it's so new, it's such a new technology, it's still hard to understand how it's going to play in the historical economic arena. You know, exactly. is, is everything going to be disjointed like or, or dislocated from like, are the Goldman Sachs and all these guys that have really ruled the world almost in the on the economic level for the our entire lives almost uh or at least much longer actually are they going to actually be dislocated and and can we actually have you know free de decentralized money like it's just hard for me to imagine and 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 can we get there without an enormous fight where they criminalize it and do all sorts of stuff and right. I, I just i find that very hard to believe that they're not going to do too. everything in their power to stop it well, some countries have already made it illegal, and I, exactly. I'm sure that'll happen more. But uh, will it win out in the long run? I hope so. I hope we can. I hope we can get away from paper currencies, either go back to a commodity-based currency or gold and silver-based or crypto-based, something that has limits on governments that they can't just print our value into infinity and 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 steal all of, all of the wealth of our money. So we're we're in a epic battle here. This is a big deal. And I, I think the next 10 years are, are going to be painful for a lot of people. Uh, this year, they're, they're already painful. Yes, yeah. it's already, it's financially painful already. I, I think there's going to be starvation in some parts of the world, world this summer, food shortages. I, I think we're in for a raft of, of problems. And yeah. If they keep pushing in Ukraine, we could have a, a real world war. So uh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I, the risk factors are everywhere. You know, it's so, so many risks. Well, th that's actually what I wanted to bring up with you next is that the uh, the person who lost the election in Belarus, uh, she had a meeting with Anthony Blinken, our sec def or whatever his his title is, uh, last week where. They they pledged basically to support her even though she didn't win the election and and it's 
and that and just so you understand geographically that is the country on russia's border just north of ukraine so right. that would be in my view the second uh what do they call it arena for war with russia if it if it escalates to that and you know just the fact that while simultaneously while they're already having a war between ukraine and russia that we would have the nerve to go there and to back someone who isn't you know the declared ruler of that that country is just so insane it's yeah. just it's so pro provocative like obviously provocative um on top of that i i've read a lot recently i don't know if you're familiar with this term but it's called lend lease where we are lend lease is like what we did in world war ii where we would arm uh the allies we were just that we just turned our military industrial complex on full steam and we shipped them all this weaponry well we've we've made the same declaration or our congress has that we that biden now has that power to uh lend our military equipment to the ukrainians with no payment expected or or payments you know very far into the future with basically no no limit on the amount that he's able to give to them and i just think this is so i mean if I, we always do this where you say well if this was happening to america like if if we were at war in iraq and russia came in and said hey we're going to give 40 billion dollars worth of weaponry to saddam hussein we would have been like you're at war with us now i mean yeah, like yeah right we already, we already had this i mean it was the cuban missile crisis right we had russia putting missiles on our border and we said no we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have a nuclear war so and they're encouraging sweden and finland to, to join nato you know on the other border so it, there's a lot of provocation going on i think it's foolish i don't understand why we're doing it, it it's 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 a bullying of the international community in a way that's making a lot of enemies and i've read that 65 of the world 65 percent of the world population between europe asia do not support our actions in ukraine so it's you know we're not we're not the rulers of the world anymore and and, and i don't think we're going to succeed in pushing around all these countries uh in the longer run i do right. think ultimately our currency will take a beating we will have higher inflation than we should have and uh, we're going to pay a price. Yeah, I hope well, it's not a nuclear war price. Yeah, well, ex that's exactly what I was just going to say. Let's let's pray it doesn't get to that level. I think you already answered your question as to I don't know why we're doing this with Russia. I think I think you do know why, in, in that they have signaled that they're not going to play our game anymore when it comes to the petrodollar system. Right, and and that has time after time when it came to Gaddafi, when it came to Saddam, like. If you stop, if you start selling your oil in anything other than dollars, well, we're going to go after you. And I think that the fact that Putin had that that weapon at the ready, that financial weapon at the ready to say, oh, you guys are going to sanction me. Oh, you're going to arm Ukraine. Well, I'm going to start selling uh, oil and gas in rubles. I, it, it tells me that perhaps that is actually the precursor for this. But what's fascinating about it is that this has been a, a an eight year lead up into this war. Yes. And, and it started with the Maidan revolution. And I, I've, I've gone over the history in, in my show, so we don't have to recap it all. Yeah. But, but it, it is, it's, it's almost as if like they have had this plan for a very long time and, and they are going to make it happen no matter how unpopular it is against them, uh, amongst the American people. And that is to me the most disturbing thing. At least in the past, they used to come up with really good lies 
as to why we had to be involved in wars. Now right. it just seems like they're just shoving wars down our throat. Even with nuclear powers, it's so outrageous. It's almost unbelievable. It is almost unbelievable and extremely dangerous to the American people over a, over a border dispute that we have nothing to gain from. It's just, right. I think it's just crazy. I, I really do. And, 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 you know, Taiwan and China are coming next. And right. we've got our battleships cruising around that area too. And we, you know, I just don't see, with hypersonic missiles from what I've read, I don't think our Navy is the world power anymore. I think mm -hmm. they can take out our Navy if we get into that kind of shooting war. So it seems to me that we're just running a lot of risk by trying to be the policeman of the world. Of course. Well, and and where's the troop morale for this? Like, I can't imagine that you could actually get the American troops pumped up about going to war with Russia or China, for that matter, no. when they haven't when they haven't attacked us. Like, it's going to be such a hard sell. The the your your enlistment they would have to they would have to start a draft, I think, because there's no uh, not to mention just in terms of troop numbers. Like, we don't. And if it ends up being a, a two front war between China, Russia, and us, like. There's no way. There's just yeah. no way. We like that's the only thing that gives me some level of hope is that anybody who's sane has to realize that's not a winnable war. No, it's not. I do not think so either, especially with China's manufacturing ability now. Yeah. But well, and, I mean, and a billion people. <laughs> right, and a billion people. Well, we we did the same thing leading up to World War II with Japan. We tried mm -hmm. to shut off their oil supply. Right. We, 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 we put them in a corner with their bond market. We did the same exact things that we did to Putin, and we got a war. Oh, well, we got Pearl Harbor out of it. Yeah. We got Pearl Harbor out of it and ended up in the war. So I, I just pray that that's not where we're headed, but it sure looks uh, alarming. Yeah, well. <laughs> but economically, What's that? But economically, how to protect ourselves against an environment of instability of this magnitude is super challenging. And you know how to invest in, in, in times when, when markets are moving 20 or 30 percent, uh, where uh, you know, you've had a, an amazing bubble by all accounts in stocks, bonds, and real estate, historic, but now the debt levels are so crushing that we could have a a deflationary wave of equal proportion, it's it's very hard to know how to protect yourself. I mean, yeah. you, you have to diversify, you have to, have to try to protect against both inflation and deflation. But I do think it's likely we're going to see higher inflation over the next decade than we saw over the last decade. China was a big force for deflation. You know, the world trade was a big force for deflation the cheap employment overseas was a big force, but that's all going away now. And, and, and we're going to be stuck with much higher prices. Looks to me like. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you just look now it's, it's right now. That's what's happening. Yeah. We have, we have bad inflation right now, but uh, I do think that the trend line is still up. It just is, is the interest rate hike enough, you know, is, is there planned interest rate hikes enough to, to stop inflation in its tracks or turn it around without putting us into a full-on depression. And, and your point about how the foreign governments or foreign uh, you know, sovereign wealth funds and things like that have stopped or, or decreased their purchases of, of U.S. treasuries, 
which do you think that's why we started to see a run up in mortgage rates before the Fed even announced? Because as you know, we started to see it go up a percent or two even before they did a damn thing. Absolutely. Yeah. China okay. and Russia were both divesting themselves of U.S. government bonds over the last year or two. Right. And, and it really accelerated just before the Ukraine invasion. Mm. So that's why we saw that spike in interest rates. They were dumping bonds. So we're, you know, we've, we've created a nightmare scenario for ourselves, you right. know, with rising interest rates. It's not the Fed that raised the interest rates. It's the sellers of bonds that raised the interest rates initially. And yeah. the Fed got dragged along. So it's a, it's a treacherous situation. Yeah, well, it gets even more treacherous when you have them creating a, uh, you know, a, a ministry of truth uh, under right. the DHS umbrella. Uh, right. They and just just so you know too, there was a uh, a bulletin that came out on February seventh of this year. So that was three months ago. Nas National Terrorism Advisory System from DHS, and it says in it uh, they're increasing their basically <laughs> their their terrorist threat level based off of key factors contributing to the current heightened threat environment include, number one, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which sow discord or undermine public trust in U.S. governmental institutions. Right. Uh, for, for example, there is widespread online proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding of substantiated widespread election fraud and COVID-19. Uh, grievances associated with these themes inspired violent extremist attacks during 2021, which, by the way, they are referencing... January 6th is the violent extremist attack is what they're yeah. talking about. I mean, sure. it's just, it's so, and, and if, if I was to say that that was a nothing burger, there's a good chance that my channel would get nuked. I mean, this is, this is so dangerous and it's so Orwellian 1984 insane. Um, but this is, this is where we're at now. Like the, you, what, what concerns me about all of this is like, you have this increasing totalitarian, you know, panopticon where they're, they're tracking everything we do. Simultaneously, you have a, a, a severely inflationary environment, um, which we haven't dealt with much in my lifetime. Uh, on top of that, you have really serious uh, geopolitical threats when it comes to Russia, China, etc. Uh, God, where's the list go on? Oh, on top of that, we have the, the highest global debt, not to mention national debt that's ever existed. Um, and probably peak oil coming soon. <laughs> yeah. I like like this is like you you add all of these dominoes up and you're just like wow I don't think I can live through this shit sandwich like this is this is just it's so dangerous um and and this is kind of, I mean this a lot of people have said this is kind of how the world wars started historically is that you would have a kind of a global recession that led into uh, governments that were in disarray with the people that were very upset and then they they try and seek an externalized enemy but in this situation everybody's got nukes China's right. got nukes. Russia's got nukes. We've got nukes. You can't take an externalized enemy like them. Like you right. could go after Iran maybe, but like yeah. you can't go after these guys. It's just so crazy. I think it is crazy. And I, and I, I hate to say it, but I, I think it, it's one of the reasons there's such widespread depression, drug abuse, you know, anxiety amongst our young people. Of course. Because they're so concerned and they don't know what to do about it. You know, I'm 69 years old. I'm in shock at what has happened to our country in, in my lifetime. It's yeah, sad. It's really sad. And, and I'm so disillusioned that the American people have bought into all of these stories and been brainwashed 
to follow along, to give up our liberty, to be locked down, <laughs> you know, to be led into a potential world war again. Yep. It's just, it's, it's, you know, we need more, we need better education and thank God for the internet that we can actually learn from intelligent people. Yeah. Well, most importantly, free thinking people, like even if you're not that bright, if you're just one of those rare people that's able to not have the media indoctrination get to you, like that will make you a smart person because right. like you're just, you're just constantly led astray. If you're like my poor grandma, she watches CNN all the time and she's just, I mean, the COVID hysteria, the, you know, the rise of white supremacy in this country, like every single narrative they push, she buys it. You know, yeah. and it just it doesn't even matter that it's so detached from reality because it's her reality. And yes. and I, I think, you know, at least half of this country, if not more, is in some version of that not reality. Um, and I, I don't know how to reach into their hearts, minds, souls and just be like, folks, this is not this is not what it is. And it's just well, a, it's a struggle, man. I, it's a struggle and it's a polarization of our whole culture. It could lead to civil war. I mean, it's clearly it's clearly leading to a polarization of the country where people are moving to Texas, Florida, and other states that are freedom loving, and they're moving out of New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, and areas that are very draconian or socialist. Right. And, and so we're getting this fragmentation of the country, uh, and and that's a very dangerous thing. I mean, it, if enough people are angry and disillusioned and discouraged and then they get weaponized, you can have a civil war. You really could. Uh, well, I think what makes it challenging is that you don't have geographical lines like you could with the South and the North. No. Um, you know, it's like New Hampshire and Florida and South Dakota and Texas and, and different parts of California are still very right-leaning too. So it's like, you can't have California go to war with Nevada. Like it just right. it can't happen like that. So it's going to be, it would kind of be an every man for himself type of deal. I, I actually view it differently from you though. I, I think that that's actually a really positive thing because I think that the inevitable result of our union is disillusion. I think that we're going to end up in, in secessionary, like peaceful secessionary pushes because the federal government will not be able to maintain the benefits to people. And when that happens, people are going to be like, well, you know, DeSantis or some, uh, you know, intrepid governor will say, we're not going to send taxes to you guys anymore. Like you're not yeah. able to give us anything. We're not going to pay you. So yeah. I think when that starts to happen, you know, then the federal government will have to try and call their bluff, you know, and, and can you actually convince the U S military to invade the great state of Florida? Like, I, I don't know. Um, so it gets really interesting then. What do you think? Well, I, I think we're headed towards decentralization. I, I do think the internet gives us that opportunity to decentralize. Uh, unfortunately, if things continue to get more draconian in the U.S., a lot of people are looking to move out, you know, get yeah. away from it. And, and I'm think, I've thought about it myself. I, I moved from As California to Florida to escape the draconian socialist state government there, you know, with 17 percent taxes come to a state with zero state taxes and a lot less rules and regulations. So, right. you know, you can vote with your feet to a certain point. But the, but, that IRS still comes a knocking. Yeah. Yeah. The IRS is knocking out all the time. <laughs> and, 
and, and I mean, some people will vote with their feet even there and, and, and leave the country and, sure. and, and get out of their citizenship. But it's, it's hard to know what the right answers are. I, I do think we need to educate people. We need to push back. But we also need to figure out how to survive and thrive financially through what could be very tough times. Oh, and, absolutely. And our younger generation has very little skills at coping with very tough times. They've lived well, through the biggest booms in history. So yeah. other you know, other than the 08 through 10 window, which was pretty rough. Yes, uh, you're was. right. It, it hasn't it hasn't been too crazy. And and I, I think that's that's the problem is that we have a very, a very soft younger generation, just so super soft. Like they right. can't they can't handle a damn thing. And I mean, that's part of the reason I, I'm like, well, there's no way we could win a world war right now. These kids, these kids are not ready for that. They would be, you would have, you know, struggle sessions where, or like you would have more, more kids in therapy than you did on the front line. I think after the first invasion, uh, I honestly believe that. Like, I don't think that there's enough kids that could go and fight a world war right now. I just don't think it's possible. Um, I think and I think maybe that's a good thing. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a good thing that that we can't do it because the the military higher ups will be like, well, this is insane. No, we can't yeah. have a war with China. Like, well, there's no way. Um, so that that's hopeful. I also think that it's very hopeful because so many like our ideological um, separation is happening naturally as you have different governors that have represented some semblance of liberty left in this country. And anybody that values that has fled to them. You know, Texas and Florida and, and uh, South Dakota and New Hampshire have had huge population influxes. I think that those economies will probably benefit tremendously because of all of that, too. Oh, um, you also have a lot of really, you know, intelligent people that are liberty oriented, that are innovating in the, the you know crypto space, as well as just trying to, you know, doing what I'm doing, it, like mm -hmm. different different media platforms. And they're creating those types of outlets. So I'm not I'm not entirely pessimistic. It's just no. like. Yeah, just the 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 intermediate period while we figure out how we can like dissolve the federal government <laughs> is going to be so tumultuous. Uh, and I just I have no idea. I have no idea what the will is of the federal government to maintain their power. Like it seems at this point that they have no no chance of them ac actually relinquishing it. But I think that what normally happens in that situation is that a federal a you know, a totalitarian uh, power structure like that, when their when their fiat money dies, they die with it. And yes. I think that that's the one positive of inflation is that perhaps they will have no choice but to stop with the militarism and to stop with the trying to control the people and to stop with the overly regulated economy and and allow us to you know start to grow again. Because if we don't grow, yeah, this thing is absolutely the Titanic. Yeah. Well, we're. I think nature by its force always goes through cycles and it always ultimately purifies itself mm -hmm. and, and it will clean out the rot out of the system. Yeah. Uh, but the pain and the time, how, how bloody, rot, how bloody does it have to be to, to well, get rid of the what, rot? That's what we don't know. And, yeah. and, and I do think the free market left to its own devices would be amazing in the next 20 years. Oh yeah, the biotech breakthroughs, the tech breakthroughs. There's going to be amazing stuff. I mean, self-driving cars, all of that stuff is real and it's going to happen. So I'm I'm very optimistic about our lifestyles 
how they potentially can be if government would get out of the way. Sure. I'm, I'm like you. I don't know how successful we'll be at getting the government to let go of their control, but a hard deflation does that. It washes out all of the governments and all the control, and you start over from a, a new base. And maybe yeah. that's what has to happen. Well, that that's the the sad part about the 0809 bust is like we could have done that. You know, we yeah. could have let us bottom out instead of oh, they're too big to fail, all this nonsense. And and what it really did is it took the uh, you know the debt burden, which was kind of at a, a business level, then it put it on the taxpayer level or the you know the bank level, and then it moved it up to the taxpayer level. And now it's like the sovereign level. Like it's exactly. all all of the national governments are just just drowning in debt. And I don't think that you can, I don't think there's another level to take it to. Like you, you right. had these different tiers of bailing out, but now we're at the, we're at the last one. Like you have yeah. the printing press. If you can't bail yourself out with a fucking printing press, how are we, <laughs> like that's the end of the game, isn't it? Well, it's a, it's a debt super cycle. That's for sure. We are, yeah. we are in the end game of that super cycle. Historically, unfortunately, government frequently in their final paroxysms, empires, when they're dying, they reach out and they cause war. And I think we're we're seeing that happen. It's an illness of power-hungry people to do that. And, and we have to hope that there's enough sanity left amongst the population that we won't go along, you know, that we won't go fight their war for them. You know, I sure don't want my boys fighting in any war on a foreign soil. No. Somebody comes to tax our home, you bet. We'll get out our guns and we'll go to fight. But, but right. until somebody attacks this country, I don't want anything to do with fighting over in some foreign country over oil or any other reason they throw at us. I, I have uh, I have zero interest in going to fight a foreign government. My own government? I think about it sometimes, but I won't talk about that. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, like that's the that's the only... That's the only government that's endangered my life. Uh, like, yeah. I in my entire in my entire life, no yeah. foreign government has messed with me at all. But nope. the U.S. government has messed with me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and a lot more than King George did back in the day. Like, it's no, not even right. close. So, yeah, they're messing with a lot of the countries of the world in a big way. And well, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a, it's it's really dangerous. It really is. Where, you know, Ron Paul has it right. The founding fathers had it right. Stay home, mind your own business trade with everybody, don't go meddle in their affairs. And, yeah. and it's smart. I mean, it's a smart way to live our lives. Well, it's, and, a, it's such an easy recipe, and yet it's so hard to follow for some yeah, reason. Power-hungry people always yep. want more control, more power, more money. Yep. And we're... And, and, we're, it's, and it's short-sighted, too. I mean, that, that's they're just constantly... If they can if they can get that vote, they'll, they'll give away the farm to whatever uh, corporation is willing to pay for their campaign. And and I think that that's that's part of the reason that people in this country hate capitalism so much now is that they're right. You know, they're right that that big business is deeply in bed with the government. And that is not that is not really capitalism, not right. even close to real capitalism because crony it's crony capitalism. Crony yeah. capitalism. And and I, I think that it's really incumbent on the libertarians in particular to to make that delineation, to right. educate people on like we also hate what's happening. We right. hate the Halliburtons of the world. We hate the Googles of the world because all of these companies profit tremendously off of our tax dollars and the protection of the federal government because of their lobbyists and everything else. And it's like, this is not, 
this is not a capitalist model. So like not, if, not the if, free market. Yeah. If we don't make that clarification, though, people are going right. to demand socialism, right. which is the last thing we want. No, we're living in fascism right now, really, exactly. where the government and big business is t linked together, ruling everything. Yep. Uh, it's it's breaking down. I mean, you can see it breaking right before your eyes right now. Yep. You know, the debt levels are tremendous. It is breaking. I mean, just think, Ronald Reagan comes to be president and we we got to one trillion in debt after <laughs> 200 years. Right. And now we're at 30 trillion. I mean, 20, yeah. 25 years later, I'm like, it, it's mind blowing. Really, it is, it yeah, is mind blowing. I, I, I read yesterday it was at 31 trillion, but maybe that was wrong. I don't know. Oh, it, yeah. it could easily well, be. Well, whatever it is, it's uh, it's never getting paid back. I can assure you of that. And oh, exactly. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I continue to tell people this. They they always want very specific guidance and specific timelines. I just think that we are we are in line for tremendous uh, volatility and ups and downs hard uh, inflation deflation like it's all on the table and and if you aren't hedging both ways you better be lucky you yeah. better be real lucky cuz um you know one of them's probably going to win out i don't think it's going to be perfectly inflationary and then perfectly deflationary where at the end of 10 years it's it's a it's an even wash i think one of them will probably be the the dominant factor but in the in the meantime i just think that hedging is the only way to go unless you have a crystal ball that's clearer than mine i think that's the only way to handle it it's very difficult, you know. I, you know, my whole life has been doing first mortgages on real estate and trying to stay around sixty percent of the value. So, it's worked well through the ups and the downs, painful in '08 to '12, but right. we we made it through and and came out the other end healthy. Uh, the banks did not, you know, they didn't make it through healthy without government bailouts. But so, but that that wasn't the end of the everything bubble. Oh, <laughs> this no. is a little different. No, it's it's the everything bubble now. We've got virtually every asset class inflated to the moon by last Christmas. Yep. You know, it, it was really, really an amazing uh, worldwide situation. Yep. Central banks have gone crazy. Well, well, thank you so much for your feedback. I, I really appreciate it. Um, for those that don't know, you know, Dan was uh, he, well he's my dad but he was also my my employer for a time and he taught me about the the first mortgage game um i then went on to start my own company where i carried on in the tradition and uh, i've only had one foreclosure in my uh career now under my my auspices well, that, that was took any any semblance of a loss so you you taught me well i appreciate the guidance and i yeah. and i appreciate the uh, the feedback for the audience i think they'll find it very valuable so thank you for your well, time i ran for a libertarian congress in california a couple of times so i exactly. know the battle i know the battle you're waging yes. I, I pray that it can be victorious yes we, we, we need a win we, we, we need, need a win we need a win for the sake of the world <laughs> Before we get out of here, I just wanted to say two days from now, two days, if you're watching this on Friday, tomorrow, actually, Saturday, Lady Lake, Florida, Top Lobster Ranch, link to purchase tickets will be in the description. Do not wait another minute. We still have 10 tickets remaining. I'm trying to sell this thing out. It'll be incredible. You will get to meet and watch Robbie the Fire Bernstein do live stand-up comedy. Then you'll get to watch a live Tower Gang Pod recording. That's my other fun Legion of Skanks version of what I do here. Uh, you'll get to meet myself, 
my girlfriend, if you're interested, <laughs> you can meet her too. Ashton Birdie will be there. Uh, or Ashton Woody, rather. And uh, Reed Coverdale of Naturalist Capitalist fame. Also, Jose Galasan of No Way Jose fame. Jose fame. Also, Toad and the homie. The homie, Fat Dave, a.k.a. Cole of Two and a Half Takes. He'll appreciate that shout out. <laughs> you get to meet all of us. You get to party with us. It's going to be a blast. Uh, oh, did I mention Top Lobster? Yeah, Top Lobster. The greatest graphic designer in the game. And while you're thinking about it, go to toplobster.com and pick up some Liberty Lockdown shirt. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but anyways, seriously, it'll be such a fun time. Do not wait another minute. I will look in the description. You will see the link to go buy your tickets. We only got 10 left. Hop on it. It's going to be amazing. If you're in Florida, no excuses. Lady Lake, just a little bit outside of Orlando. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait to meet you guys. I will see you Saturday night. Let's go. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin'. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit A win over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government, just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe